Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. All right, stop collaborate and listen this is broken records episode 43 the search for the worst album ever made in pop and rocks storied long lengthy and often embarrassing history it's a solo podcast from the right act network my name is stephen hill from right act joined as ever by my good friend renfrey deadman my kind of sucker mc if you like <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'll take it. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen that <laughs> graffiti's on toilet walls. Renfrey Deadman is sucker MC, so you know that makes mm. sense. Yeah, good. Well, anyway, uh, as I said, um, Renfrey, how, how are you? By the way, you yeah, tired today. I'm a little Quite tired. An early one for you, isn't it? <laughs> it is. a little early one, isn't it? Just just at 17 minutes past 10. I know most of you have probably been at work for two hours. It's a Sunday. It's Renfrey's a Sunday work. morning. Thank but you it is a very Sunday. much. So yeah, no, yeah. I'm fine. I'm a little bit tired, but I'm fine. I've got my coffee here. I'll be. We're right. going to power through this because, well, as you listen to this, you'll know whether or not. Um, it was allowed through customs and came home or if it was uh, <laughs> rejected and sent back, packed off to Italy, oh, yeah. where it has spent much of its life. Yeah. Uh, it's coming home apparently today, so we'll, we'll see. This might seem like a ridiculous thing to say um, in the aftermath of England potentially losing, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice, the third studio album from the white boy rap superstar of the early 90s, released on the 20th of October 1998. This is the podcast, as I mentioned, where Renfrey and I try and find the worst album ever made. All albums in the list that we have, we have a pretty lengthy list so far, are compiled from their reputation, their critical standing, their fan reaction, or often the band themselves just fucking hating them. So it's not necessarily me and Renfrey's own personal feelings towards an artist is why this gets in here. Anyway, we do have 42 records in a list so far. We're not going to go through all 42 of them. We will go through the flop 20 to tell you where we are so far in descending order. The 20 worst albums we have found thus far on our search for the worst album ever. We start at number 20 with Razorlight by Razorlight. Viva Brothers' famous first words. Linkin Park's One More Light. Super Collider by Megadeth. The Truth Is by Theory of a Dead Man. Slick Dogs and Ponies by Louis XIV. The Cosmos Rocks by Queen and Paul Rogers. The United Nations of Sound by Richard Ashcroft. The soundtrack to the movie Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Eog and Quigg's self-titled debut album. Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2. Towers of London's Blood, Sweat and Towers. Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman. Philosophy of the World by The Shags. Total Zanarchy by Little Zan. Blood on the Dance Floor with Bad Blood. Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem. Feel like we might be mentioning that record a fair bit on mm. the show today. True Symphonic Rockestras, Concerto in True Minor, and Double Wide Bunkle Cracker at number two. And still at number one, still at number one, seemingly unflinchable in their <laughs> ability to be moved in any way. In their domination I'm of not, shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they are number one still. Broken Side, I'm not a fan, but the kids like it. Very much at this point, the kind of wet, wet, wet of uh of broken records just <laughs> will not be budged from number one yeah but as i said into that list we are going to stick hard to swallow by vanilla ice his third 
studio album. Now, we all know Vanilla Ice, don't we? We all know even Renfrey, a man who <laughs> recently described Illmatic by Nas as good. <laughs> I liked it. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> Just good. It's good. Yeah, good, good record. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No uh, shit. I mean, apparently it's the best hip hop album of all time, according to some people, but I thought it was quite good. Yeah, it's good. Okay, well, I mean, I don't think it is the... Look, we're not going to... I some cannot people talk say to that, you about... Some people say that. Some people do say that, and I don't think that... That, that is like, if someone said to me... Um, Led Zeppelin 4 is the best album of all time. I would go, well, I don't think that, but I understand it. Yeah, fair enough. And I feel like that about Illmatic. Okay. I don't, it's not my personal favourite, but I, I cannot argue against it. And anyway, but you, I'm glad you think it's good. I like it. Yeah, it's good. Better than um, better than that um, uh, fucking... <laughs> I'm trying to think of an EP we did that you really liked by a really obscure band <laughs> that you would think is better Man- than... Mannequin not- Pussy. <laughs> I, I think I think I probably prefer Nas to Ma- no sorry no I think I probably prefer Mannequin Pussy to Nas I'm afraid to say at the, at this point in time I've gone back to the Mannequin Pussy more EP more than I have to Matic, yes I'll confess I'm I'm a charlatan boo me <laughs> uh, there you go you heard it here first Mannequin Pussy Trump Nas <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about we are here to talk about Robert Matthew Van Winkle Renfrey aka Vanilla Ice now. Um, that is not the the name that most people... I think most people kind of remember him being called Robert Van Winkle. Yeah. I'll start the Matthew Inks, that's his f- full name. Um, but obviously known to most of us as Vanilla Ice. Um, Vanilla Ice got his nickname and his stage name from his love of hip-hop that he acquired at an early age. Chinny Recon, I say. I call bullshit on that. He just happened to be around the place, I reckon, and he got... Anyway... Um, he loved breakdancing as a kid. I read that as well. Mm. Bet he was really good at that as yeah, well. Breakdancing. I've seen his moves. Um, do you know much about the early years of Robert Van Winkle, Renfrey? No. From the, the days, from back in the day? No, I, now, I don't really. No. No. Now, you may or may not have heard this. I sort of, I've been doing a lot of research on Vanilla Ice over the last sort of week or so. And uh, Vanilla Ice had a very promising career as a motocross racing driver like driving motocross i knew there was and, oh yes i knew i knew there was a, an interest in motocross certainly yeah mm. which will come up later again in, yes. on the show yes. um but he actually won three championships as a young boy in motocross so he's a very oh, wow. very promising motocross rider and then broke his ankle in 1985 oh okay which kind of curtailed his career mm. which meant he had to go and do something else so much like little zan <laughs> and his um, his non-existent photography career, motocross's loss was very much music's loss. <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, after the motocross thing went to shit for Vanilla Ice, he got his start in music by performing as a dancer in the city light clubs in Dallas, where he opened for the likes of, and I'm not making this up, Paula Abdul, Tone Loke, the two live crew. <laughs> NWA and Public Enemy. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I guess he was there then, wasn't he? Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Fair play. Yeah. Um. That's what he used to do. He used to get up. He had it was part of a crew that would get up and do like pans people. I don't know if, like if we have any listeners from the seventies. Um. But pans people used to dance to songs on top of the pops. Mm. 
when they couldn't get the artists in before videos were made. So yeah. Vanilla Ice, would, and that was a thing. That was a thing in the eighties. Yeah. You just like have a support band would be someone dancing, and that's what Vanilla Ice used to do. Um, in nineteen eighty seven, he was stabbed outside of the club, um, presumably by five times. Five times he stabbed that song. Presumably it was by someone with a DeLorean uh, who'd heard the album we're going to talk about <laughs> and decided to go back and try and stop it and make it happen. And it meant that he actually signed his first record contract whilst in hospital after the incident, which is, you know, giving, again, giving Vanilla Ice a little bit of extra kind of hip-hop cred that I wasn't aware that he had, to be honest. Uh, there's nothing that says what the altercation was about or anything like that you've got nothing on that it's like no oh nothing i got i, I got nothing i got absolutely nothing mm. um that sounds like a story that's easy to make up <laughs> but it does sound like a story that's easy to make up we will be talking about some i mean we were chatting on the phone yesterday and we were saying there's a lot of lore and legend and mythos surrounding just hip-hop around that time in general you know the kind of stories that get blown out of proportion and you know, there's there's a few of them. But um, now Vanilla Ice was actually not a one. He's not a one hit wonder. Vanilla Ice gets penned and panned as a as a sort of one hit wonder, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, yeah. Very. But much that's so. not that's not true because his first single is not Ice Ice Baby. His first single was a laughably bad cover of Play That Funky Music, White Boy. <laughs> oh which my god. Is really bad and now i have to confess i don't recall this but it reached number 10 in the uk singles chart and number four in the us singles chart which i do not remember happening no i do not remember that happening at all no neither do i sounds like it's on brand though for him play that funky music white boy yes i mean i think that was the thing that they were doing i think that, that that was the thing um now, the song itself, they didn't think was enough of a hit, which is sort of weird that it would be a hit, but no one really considered it a hit. But then there are sometimes that songs kind of go in. Back then, they'd go in a chart for a week, and then they'd, they'd sort of enter at number four. No one would really pay that much attention to it. And then it would drop to like 35 or something, and it would just be gone from the public consciousness uh, very, very quickly. Yeah. That used to happen a lot. I think if it's a cover of a song as well, that's probably going to mm. add to that, potentially. Yeah. But the, um, funnily enough, the B-side of Play That Funky Music, White Boy, the single on 7-inch, turned out to be Ice Ice Baby. (laughs) That was the B-side of Play That Funky Music, White Boy. And I, you know, I've got Ice Ice Baby on single when it was re-released. I'm part of the problem before we go into that song. But having kind of not really captured people's imaginations initially, and the song didn't get much reaction when it was played on radio there was a dj who started playing who one day played ice ice baby the b-side and that started to get much more of a reception and thus grew ice ice baby as a massive song realizing that it had sort of captured the zeitgeist a little bit that song um vanilla ice's label quickly put eight thousand pounds eight thousand dollars i should say into the pot to make a video for the song and released the single a month before vanilla's debut album to the extreme was released in september 1990 now at this point we'll talk about ice ice baby right do you like ice ice baby renfrey um i don't have a particularly strong opinion on it one way or the other i have to say um i described it to you the other day as furniture it's there 
it's mildly irritating but it's not going to irritate me enough to not be able to get on with my day is what i would say yeah even now, even I'd when like... even when jedward came back with it i didn't find it all that annoying i found spoiler them... alert <laughs> i found them a lot more annoying than i found the song itself so yeah i i mean i bought it on seven inch single so i helped it's part i'm part of the fabric of <laughs> the success of vanilla rice um back when it first was released and i really liked it but then i didn't really know very much about hip-hop at the time mm. and i mean i'll go into some stats in a moment but i think on reflection it's weird because i am usually very very keen to kind of rep for 90s one hit wonders and those kind of big 90s anthemic pop songs i don't really care for ice ice baby that much i've got to be honest i don't really care for ice ice baby at all i much prefer you can't touch this by mc hammer i think that's far better oh personally. so much better so much better yeah, yeah 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 loads better than ice ice baby and um you know if i want to listen to that wicked bass line Mm. I got David Bowie and Freddie Mercury singing it. Yeah, not you, not some bloke, not Robert Van Winkle, the motocross man. No, I do wonder. I'm sure some people listening to this will know that the troubles that Vanilla Ice ran into with Queen, um, which I'm sure we're about to talk about. But I'm curious to know: Do you think maybe they thought they could get away with it because initially it was just the B side? I think that is almost certainly. Right. What happened? Yes. Interesting. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's a few there's a few examples of that littered throughout the music industry, isn't there? Yeah. Where, you know, um, where where people have just gone, oh well, I'll just I'll just use that and it will be all right, and uh, and it's and it's it's because no one even knows about it. You can kind of yeah. they've been able to get, get away, away with it. it. Yeah. I think there was an occasion where. Uh, this is going off on a, rant, uh, a tangent a little bit, but Fun Loving Criminals wanted to sample Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple in one of their songs, mm. and they couldn't get the rights to it, so they just played it. Mm. Mm. So that he just played the riff. Yeah. Oh, didn't, didn't, duh, and he got that. That was a big. And I think at the time, Fun Loving Criminals were on a, were on a, uh, a, a tiny label. It's before their debut album had come out. Once kind of Scooby Snaps, Snacks hit big. I remember Deep Purple kind of came from yeah, same with yeah, um, yeah. we've spoken about we've spoken about uh, Bittersweet Symphony as well there's no point in trying to sue people until they have money um, that's true so you know uh, yeah that does often happen um, so for those who don't know just very briefly the um, the baseline to Ice Ice Baby is pretty much identical to the baseline to under pressure and it's such well it is the sample it's a sample isn't it, it oh use... it is a sample okay it's actually a sample yeah oh, i didn't actually know that um and uh yeah and i mean that baseline is so recognizable it's it's just it's such obvious plagiarism and and it's probably the best bit about the song you know yeah it is it's probably the biggest hook of the song and it's not even vanilla ice's hook so yeah yeah so i'm totally it doesn't offend me but i'm totally like yeah whatever i don't really care i prefer the um, rice's turtle rap thing well i was gonna say he's not a one it one <clears> because he <throat> then had a big hit from the teenage but we'll talk about that in a, in a, in a little second but mm. vanilla rice has said that he used to listen to rock and roll and stuff like that i listened to funk and hip-hop because rock wasn't really my era but having a brother that liked that well i just mixed the two so in a lot of ways i mean this is this is pre-rage against the machine winfrey 
So did Vanilla Ice actually invent Limp Biscuit with Ice Ice Baby? <laughs> did Vanilla Ice invent a lot of things, which we'll probably get into. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. Anyway, few stats on Ice Ice Baby now that we've um we've we've gone through that. It was a number one in eight countries, top ten in eighteen countries. It is the first hip hop single ever to top the US Billboard two hundred singles chart. Oh, is, it has gone that is, platinum. That must be maddening for hip hop fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has gone platinum in four countries and gold in four countries. It sold over one million copies in the United States of America alone. It sold Six hundred thousand copies in the United Kingdom. Fucking hell! Physical copies. It has sold. Put it. Has, it has sold two hundred fifty thousand copies in Germany. <laughs> Fucking Germany! Wow. <laughs> so this is like a month before his debut album comes out. He's got this absolutely massive hit. Um, to the extreme, off the back of that, also topped the US Billboard two hundred and went on to sell. In America alone, I shit you not, 7 million copies Fuck in the United yeah. States of America. It is the 20th best-selling record in the United States of the entire 1990s. Think of 20 records from the 90s, right? You've only got 20 records. Vanilla Ice is one of the... That's mad, right? Think of all the shit that went on during the 90s. Yeah. I mean, never, and never mind. Top... Black Album... The Use Your Illusions, I'm guessing, might be in there. They might not. I don't know. Guns N' Roses. Um, yeah. Might be a Madonna record. Jagged Little Jagged little pill. pill. Yeah. I mean, Maybe you know, Vi- Violator and Acton Baby, The Chronic by Dr. J. Illmatic, as just, you know, like, Enter the, Enter the 36 Chambers, definitely maybe Park Life, like... And Vanilla Ice. Fucking <laughs> Slipknot by Slipknot. Like, I mean, fuck me. There is There was so much... Regent's Machine, we just mentioned, like, this. there was just... I mean, we obviously two absolute marks for the 90s i could give you a hundred records from the 90s yeah. that i think are incredible and i'd still feel like i'd just be scratching the surface but for yeah. to put together a top 20 albums from the 1990s and vanilla ice's debut album is one of them is is fucking crazy all off the back of one single it has gone on to sell 15 million copies worldwide that is fucking mental Renfrey fucking mental isn't that proof that the majority of people just like really really average things I mean I don't even know if they like it because the fault you know like I think people 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 can be easily kind of seduced into buying I mean I bought Ice Ice Baby on 7 inch single you're saying you could be easily seduced I think so I think so. Glad, glad we've got that on tape. Easy. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. I've never tried to hide it, to be fair. But um, I, I, I honestly think that, you know, you hear Ice Ice Baby and you go, that's great. You hear it a lot. The album comes out. It gets pushed on you loads. Oh, that song's good. I must love, you know. Yeah. How many albums have sold a lot of records off the back of one song? That certainly, that certainly is a phenomenon you're talking about. Um uh i don't know maybe some sort of like um just hearing something again and again and again just because you recognize it you kind of mistake recognizing it for liking it and i and i that does make people sound really fucking dumb but i do think <laughs> this is what i think of the population at, at large i do think a lot a lot of people 
do that they go oh i recognize that therefore i like it and it's like well it doesn't mean you like it it just means you can <laughs> remember it you know yeah 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 but if it feels nice in your mind then yeah. i mean this is a totally different conversation if it feels nice in your mind i think you ultimately kind of like yeah, it. Right? yeah yeah and it can remind you know there's a whole myriad different reasons of why you like a piece of music um i think as long as you recognize that i mean like i i listen to republica and black grape probably more than any other human being on the planet i would say i would be very surprised if i met someone who listened to drop dead gorgeous by republica more times on their spotify in a year than i do i must play that song 40 or 50 times a year still because <laughs> i love it you know i've listened to tell me when by the human league in the last month about 19 times i think it's a fucking absolute banger and it reminds me of being at school but you know i also go this is sort of a silly song isn't it mm. this is kind of silly whereas yes i know what you mean some people go no it's not silly mm. it's good mm. because i like it mm. ergo it must be good mm. and go, well maybe mm. yeah. <laughs> like maybe yeah. not necessarily though right chaps you know what i mean um anyway we're kind of getting off topic a little bit here vanilla rice was a star now uh, mocked by hip-hop aficionados. We spoke yesterday, Renfrey, of the story of him being intimidated by Suge Knight and signing the rights of Ice Ice Baby over to Suge Knight as he was dangled <coughs> over the balcony of an eighth-floor hotel, uh, the eighth-floor of a hotel, and um, having to sign away the rights, which then went on to fund Death Row Records. That's a kind of music industry urban legend, isn't it? There are conflicting reports as to whether or not that actually happened. You said you heard something about him being intimidated in a club. I'm familiar with the story of him being dangled over the edge of a balcony of a hotel. I've heard that story a lot. I didn't even have to kind of look it up, really. I was just like, oh, well, mm. that's a thing that happens by all accounts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the account that I saw was from a club. I think it was from a Rolling Stone article um, around the time I went on the Wayback Machine and found something. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's essentially saying he's... I mean, that's a story that's easy to make up. <laughs> yeah, again, um, it's easy enough. Um he claims that he's indirectly responsible for the start of death row records as a result and uh as a result surely he's claiming he's indirectly responsible for hip-hop <laughs> not quite but you know what i mean but for that like strain of hip-hop i mean we're talking about a label that put out uh releases by snop duke um dr dre tupac um what else did death row do that's about it death row fucking hell loads of stuff mm. loads and loads of stuff um i mean th there's a doc out on death row i don't know if he was actually I don't his know. album i have to I double check i don't that. know why you're asking uh, me for confirmation <laughs> no no i was sort of positing it to myself like well that's good yeah well, i mean you know even just even just like to be honest those you know, those three the, is, the dog pound and yeah. the chronic coming out is like fucking that's yeah. probably enough isn't yeah, it yeah, at yeah. this point um yeah i'm not entirely familiar with the entirety of death row's back catalog i have to be honest because by the kind of mid to late 90s I, I was probably just interested in other things but you know that early first run of stuff that they were putting out obviously hugely hugely important in shaping the sound of um what hip-hop went on to be yeah. so i think it's a good i think it's a good rumor for both parties to be honest yeah it is yeah. it makes it makes suge knight look like you know the kind of monstrous badass that he probably you know like he's got a fucking rap sheet to prove what a horrible cunt he is he was probably and happy to cultivate that image i'm sure yes yeah 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 and i think that image is 
pretty accurate when you see that he's spent most of his life in jail and he doesn't really seem to mind running people over and you know beating the shit out of them with <laughs> lead pipes and stuff like that um and also uh vanilla ice getting the credit for starting death row i mean well that's, that's a big that's feather in his cap isn't that's it? cool that's cool as fuck and he, he, just to say because i don't think we've outlined it specifically um so the, the the story basically is is um the money that uh such knight got from um getting the rights to ice ice baby he used to set up death row records so just yeah, to be clear that's, that's that's the and and by all accounts i mean you know the 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 urban myth that i've heard is that vanilla ice was dangled by his ankles upside down on the eighth floor of a hotel balcony and they wouldn't bring him up until he signed the contract presumably upside down on the edge of the balcony. i don't know anyway but that's the you can find that in any kind of music industry urban legend thing i really don't want to cast aspersions and i hope i really I, I hope I hope I'm not. Um, I would say that a lot of those sorts of labels, not all of them, but a lot of them might have been set up by um, uh, selling illegal stuff. Um, and therefore, putting a story out there like that might be a nice way to try and cover some of that stuff up as well. Just a suggestion. Yeah. I'm not Possibly. saying that I know that for a fact. I am being totally borderline racist uh <laughs> but 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 it's also but there's also well, some... I, th- I, I think in in the case of death row records that's a fact yeah that they were yeah. like you know suge knight is a fucking criminal yeah like yeah. he's a fucking criminal yeah. he was a criminal before he was a criminal during and he's probably wants to be a criminal so Give, much now given the people that we're talking about i don't think that's too controversial a thing to say really i think that's mm. Um, there's, but you know, Vanilla Ice started to be a bit of a fucking laughing stock almost immediately after uh, Ice Ice Baby was a massive hit and, and that album dropped. Um, there's a clip on YouTube of, on Canadian TV of Jim Carrey doing an impression of him, absolutely mugging him off, which is quite funny. Uh, he did start dating Madonna. Yeah. So, you know, have a little, bro- they can have a little broken records baby together. <laughs> God, that would be and awful. he started getting into movies. He was in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, and released Lo- the love that lead lead soundtrack single, which was the Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. Yeah. Thoughts on that song, Renfrey? Well, I love it because um, <laughs> because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, came out when I was six years old. And I was mm-hmm. the perfect age um, for it and that um i mean you would have been 11 so you probably wouldn't have been as bothered as i was but i was. I saw it at the cinema i saw both the first two turtles films in the cinema mate love the first one not so keen on the second one that sort of was like nah not so it bad. gets a bit sillier does it well it get a bit sillier it gets yeah. a lot sillier um because the first one is a just you know is obviously a very serious film it's super dark. The first, I mean, it, it's it's surprising. It's, it's surprising it's how dark, dark night, it is. is it? Let's be <laughs> no, but but for what is the sense? Put that on, then put Watchmen on. Watchmen seems like a fucking <laughs> like Superman three. No, but for what is ostensibly a kids' film, 
it's dark. It's you know surprisingly yeah, I, I, dark. I, I liked it. I, I did. I'd like to watch the first one. Anyway, we shouldn't talk too much about the yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, movies, but yeah. But no, I I I, I loved the Secret of the Use because because I was six years old and I was banging to turtles and um, mm. uh, I thought the film was fucking great and I loved yeah I loved that single. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it was it was it was all right. Um, <laughs> it's better than Ice Ice Baby. Uh, oh come yeah, on, probably, mate. probably is, probably is. At, I guess at least the hook is his. Um. Or are you going to tell There's me? Not going much into- of a hook, though, is there? It doesn't matter, though. It does. I don't give a shit who wrote the fucking hook. The hook is the hook. Ding, 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 ding. It's better than Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. I think it they're is. about on the same level, to be honest. Oh wow! I think they are- Freddie Mercury is spinning in his grave as a right hook. Now. So is David Bowie. As a hook and a hook alone, and I'm guessing. Maybe maybe Freddie would come up with that. I don't, it was probably been um, what's his fucking face? John Deacon. John Deacon. Thank John you. John Deacon. Yeah, I'm assuming to be to be fair. And John Deacon's still alive, so he can't spin in his grave. Um, but we can get it ready for him. <laughs> that sounded a bit threatening. <laughs> what's your beef with John Deacon? He's the he's the know. best queen. He's the best queen because he's he left it well queen. alone as we've yeah. discussed before let's let's we're, we're not talking about that uh yes turtle thing great love it mm. okay let's move on i mean it wasn't his only foray into the movie world uh he had his own film called as ice which we have talked about before which was released in 1991 i sort of mentioned it before he did his own I, now I've, I've, ne- I've never seen it it was absolutely panned we sort of talked about it on here it looks tragic. I have actually gone and watched a trailer for it. And I watched one of them YouTube review things of it where it's like, oh my God, this is awful. And Vanilla himself won the Golden Raspberry for Best New Star. Or Worst New Star at the Golden Raspberries in 1991. Could you give us a brief summation of what you feel the film's themes are from the trailer alone? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's a, it's a sleepy town. It's a sleepy town in rural suburban America. And they just like quietness and quiet music. And then this guy comes in on a motorbike oh, called Johnny. I think he's called Johnny. And he just calls and everyone's like, oh, what is he doing here? And one of the pretty girls from the town meets him and she's like, oh, you're really nice. And he's like, yeah, I am actually. People don't understand me. And then his, his dad's like, get away from that man. And she's like, no, dad, you don't understand. And then his her brother gets kidnapped by some people and the only person that can save the day is the one person that they never trusted in the first place vanilla ice and then presumably that uh he saves the day or the child dies i don't know either way i'm sort of erring towards uh, i don't want to ruin it for anyone but i'm assuming that there's a happy ending but it looks absolutely shit to be honest it looks really shit it sounds like a fucking mess footloose for goons basically <laughs> I love the word goon. It's really underrated, <laughs> it's isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is where it starts to really go for shit uh, for Vanilla Ice. Um, there's a big hit in hip-hop by a band called Third Bass called Pop Goes the Weasel. Do you remember that song? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I hadn't, Great I hadn't thought about it for a long time, but yeah, I do, do remember it. Just samples, about... samples Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Yes, yes. And it's I basically take, taking shots shots fired at the pop 
uh, the uh, the the pop hop or the hip pop um, artists of the time. So, you know, the the Vanilla Ices and the MC Hammers is basically like reclaim hip hop, and that kind of started a like yeah yeah reclaim hip hop, and then suddenly you start getting more authentic hip hop. Getting, I'm not saying that third bass and pop goes a weasel <laughs> was a sort of catalyst for people going oh yeah you're right maybe we should but certainly that song became a thing that people were like yeah yeah fuck like fuck these artists fuck these bands mm. and both mc hammer who we might talk about one day on this show and particularly vanilla ice sort of struggled after that uh pop goes a weasel by the way i listened to and it is a fucking w- really wicked song okay i i may well go back to it it's great okay Pop goes the weasel, the weasel. Anyway, Vanilla Ice tried to slap back against that um, that that song on his 1994 follow-up to his debut album, Mind Blowing. I mean, he took his fucking time, didn't he? Four years between albums mm. for a one-hit wonder mm. is ridiculous. Feeling the pressure? Absolutely. Well, I guess so. Well, he was out. He was dating Madonna. He's making bad films. Yeah. He was hanging around with turtles. Like you know, he's, you know, he was. He got other stuff going on. He's quite he toured the album. He's quite busy, to be fair. He was busy. He was. There's a song in it called The Wrath, which is a sort of response to Pop Goes the Weasel on that album. And I have to say, it's not very good. <laughs> you know when someone like says, you're a fucking dickhead? Like, I remember that there was a kid that I went to school with once, and I can't remember, we were sort of, I was, he was a few years younger than me. But like you do when you're a snotty teenager, you know, you're sort of like mugging off the younger kids at school. And I was like, look at your stupid tie. Look at your wank. Tra- look at your trainers. Look at your, you know, look at your fucking Poundland haircut. Painting like, a brilliant ca- picture of yourself here, Steve. <laughs> to the council cut your haircut. Look at you, the state of you. Like, absolutely, like, <laughs> mugging his kid off. And he just came up to me and went, funny face. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and, it <laughs> and him calling me funny face is sort of the equivalent of uh what vanilla ice does okay. on on that song because it's not very good okay. um there's also a song on it called <laughs> there's a song on it which manages it's called it's called the fame it's called fame and it manages to sample fame by david bowie and voodoo child by Jimi hendrix and still be fucking dire oh my god which is quite impressive that you can take two amazing artists very very amazing songs and still sound shit that's terrible um mind blowing is bad it's a bad record it's bad i'd say it's probably the worst um well maybe not it's a bad it's a bad record Did you listen the, to the whole the, thing the two, i listened to about 70 percent of it wow maybe it gets really good in the last three tracks i don't know but mm. i was like i'm not fucking listening to any more of this mm. it's not good mm. After this, Vanilla Ice started using cocaine, ecstasy, and heroin, and even attempted suicide in the aftermath of that album's release. And then he disappeared. He disappeared and formed a grunge band called Pickin' Scabs in 1995. Yeah, a grunge band in 1995 from a rapper. What a good idea. What a, what a, a great idea. In the aftermath of Kurt Cobain's death a year later, when everyone thought grunge was fucked, and you are one of the least credible rappers on the planet, probably start a grunge band. Yeah, <laughs> it does. What could possibly go wrong? It does smack of someone sort of desperately trying to figure out what the zeitgeist is, but being about three years too late, which is um, mm. a bit of an issue when you're trying to figure out what the zeitgeist is. Um, yeah. yeah, 
Uh, well, he's he's allowed to do that if he so chooses to. <laughs> he is. I mean, I've done quite a lot of research for this, and there is a rare unreleased instrumental of that band doing the rounds. And it's on YouTube, and it makes Bush sound like Dream Theater by comparison. <laughs> it is rubbish. It is like somebody who has learned guitar. I've like, been mean, bought a guitar a week ago, and has not yet even learned, learned how to tune it properly. <laughs> just sort of practicing power chords. It's really, really quite bad. So picking scabs, nothing really happened. Um, and then uh, he also appeared credited as Robert Van Winkle on the Bloodhound Gang song "Boom" from their 1996 album "One Fear." one fierce beer coaster which is also pretty shite as well i have to say uh, i don't know if you heard that no, before, I've, I've not heard it but it doesn't surprise me to be totally honest you're a big fan of the bloodhound gang <laughs> no <laughs> not particularly no they'll be on the show one day the bloodhound yes. gang so i look forward to that and then we get to this album essentially in 1997 he formed a friendship with ross robinson he of new metal fame he of producing all of the most exciting young metal bands of that period fame ross robinson he of like one of my if not my favorite ever producer yeah he of being you know having a a run where he was like one of the most uh clued in producers in the world i would say in and and, and every i was about to say everything he touched turned to gold so much of what he touched turned to gold in that era. Well, at this point, he's produced Fear Factory, only demos, you know, like the concrete demos. He's produced the first Deftones demo. He's done two Corn albums. Yeah. He's done Roots by Sepultura. Yeah. And he's done $3 Bill Yore by Limp Biscuit as well. Mm. Great pedigree. So at this point, Ross Robinson is on a pretty perfect streak. I would say. Yeah. And this is not that long before he starts to work with Slipknot, mm. Glassjaw, mm-hmm. Soulfly. Like he you know, he was Amen. He's in a he's in a good place, yeah. I would say, Ross Robinson. A very, very good place. And is I would say undoubtedly in terms of alternative music, the coolest producer on the face of planet Earth in nineteen ninety seven. No question. No question mm. of that whatsoever. Yep. So, how did Ross Robinson and Vanilla Ice become mates? Well, Renfrey, Ross Robinson apparently also loves motocross. Yes. Um, it's Well, uh, he's had uh, accidents with motocross, hasn't he? I was reading the Iowa feature in um, the latest issue of Metal Hammer. Not that we need to promote that, but there we go. And uh, <laughs> we can, we, we can, can, though, we can do. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good issue. And um, yes, uh, he suffered. He kind of um, he had a motocross incident during the recording of that record, but he continued to come in and record anyway, which kind of gave the band the kick up the ass that they needed at that time. So yeah, bonkers. Yeah. So basically, they started. They met and they started chatting about fucking motocross, and they got on really well. And Ice, Vanilla Ice, decided to try and get Ross Robinson involved in the making of a new album. A first, what would be his first album in four years. Ross Robinson uh, has said multiple times how many of his friends and you know his peers and people within the industry had said to him that this was a bad idea, that this was career suicide, that he would never come back from it. And Robinson has described it as the most punk rock thing you could do. 
And I have to say, he's kind of got a point. He's kind of got a point. Like, on paper, if you're Ross Robinson, Vanilla Ice is the last person on the planet you would expect Ross Robinson to be doing an album with. This kind of pop, this washed-up pop one-hit wonder. Like, what could possibly be in it for Ross Robinson, the coolest record producer on the face of planet Earth? I think on paper... It sounds pretty punk rock um, in some ways, or it sounds like it could be. I think the problem with that is in order for it to work, the results need to be good. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know if we can honestly say that. Well, I think we honestly can't say that, but we'll get into (laughs) that in a second. Um, there were also people within the Vanilla Ice camp who were suggesting that he change his name if he was going to work with Ross Robinson. And I have to say, to his credit, he decided not to run from his past, which, I mean, like, I probably would do that. I maybe might do an album under a, with a, under, use Robert Van Winkle and maybe call it a band rather than call it a Vanilla Ice album. Mm. But then at the same time, I mean, I remember hearing about this and you couldn't buy this fucking album for love nor money back in the, back in the 90s. Like I never saw it in the shops because I was legitimately intrigued mm. as to what this would sound like. This is the first time I've ever heard this. Record. Oh wow! Okay, interesting. I certainly, yeah. I, I I'd never heard it before. No. Okay. And certainly looking at the cover, I I kind of assumed that the cover would be something that I recognise and go, oh right, that's that record. And I looked at it and I was like, that just looks like an Edema cover. I have no idea like i I don't think i've ever seen that before so yeah certainly Mm. whilst i wasn't looking for it in the same way that you were i don't recall ever seeing it i remember there was a thing in kerrang and it was more like ross robinson's working with vanilla ice it wasn't hey vanilla ice is now metal it was ross robinson is doing an album with vanilla ice and they said this is happening i'm not even sure if kerrang even reviewed it Mm. because it was vanilla ice which sort of doesn't really make sense they might have done um I know. I'm again. I'm pretty sure Metal Hammer didn't either. I'm not even sure if it got a full release over here. It might have been like mm. I would say. I never saw it. I think like maybe it was on. You, know, you used to see like CDs on import and stuff. Yeah. I feel like maybe I saw it on import for like twenty two ninety nine. That was like that is too much of a risk. Ooh, definitely. <laughs> that was. So I was like, well, fuck. That would have been a poor investment. It would have been a poor investment. Um, Vanilla Ice has said that he and Ross Robinson were clicking right off the bat. And Robinson got a band together for the rapper, which consisted of... And this, again, is like, oh, fucking hell. Snot guitarist and drummer Sonny Mayo and Shannon Larkin. This is just before they joined Amen, uh, I believe. Um, Wes Borland's brother Scott played keyboards. And letting the side down a little bit, Doug Ardito from Puddle of Mud played on bass. <laughs> but we also still, had... Still, you know, that's all right, band. Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, we also get contributions on the album from Casey Chaos, Psycho from Insane Poetry, and Jimmy Pop from the Bloodhound Gang, which is cool, I guess. But it was initially claimed that the album was going to feature contributions from Lenny Kravitz and Korn. Yeah, bit of a step down. <laughs> bit of a step down. <laughs> to say the now, least. <laughs> now, now the, we- the weird thing about this, right, is Shannon Larkin, who's a great drummer. You know, he's in Snot, yeah. he's an Amen. He's been in, I think he toured with Soulfly for a little bit. And, you know, he's he's been in a whole bunch of bands before. He's in Ugly Kid Joe as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Shannon Larkin actually rates this album. He was interviewed a few years ago and he said, I'm proud of that one. That was a killer record. 
producer Ross Robinson is very demanding when it comes to drums in a studio. Everything had to be 110% for that guy, and I love him for that. Now, th- that's not necessarily, doesn't sound like him going, I really like this record. More like, I'm proud of the work I put in on this record. And to be fair, Shannon Larkin is not the problem with this record. It's not by any stretch of the not imagination Not in the slightest. Shannon Larkin has not embarrassed himself one iota with this album, I don't think. I, yeah, I don't I think... know what he could have done to make these songs any better. No, 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 no. This is not Shannon Larkin's fault. Not in the slightest. Um, but I am quite surprised that he's like, yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, I guess you did it, you own it, I suppose. And I kind of admire him for that. It's a very clever answer because he has focused on his performance and his drum takes more than the record and he hasn't actually strictly given an opinion on the record he's just talked about his involvement with it and was like i really enjoyed that process and working with ross robinson and his demands and so on and so forth it's very smart he's probably a very smart dude um so but i think that is that is the best way you can play it isn't it if you have worked on something which people view as embarrassing or whatever the best way you can play it is own it but also not talk shit on it yeah i think you're quite right i think that seems like the most uh sensible thing to do really and And fair play to i mean i would uh, yeah 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 um i uh, Vanilla Ice was interviewed by I need to call him Ice T then I don't think he's, like, he's hanging out with <laughs> bloody Babylon Zoo um, are you the Vanilla guy Ice who w- went into that tattoo shop and you wanted a, a, an Ice Cube tattoo but you got Vanilla Ice <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh the 90s oh, <laughs> what, what a good time what a good time I, it was. I don't want to explain that if people don't get it no no look <laughs> if you don't get that if you don't if you don't know about Offspring <laughs> What are you doing listening to a podcast? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Vanilla Ice was interviewed by CNN in the build-up to the record being released, and he had this to say. This record was like total therapy. I had to tap into these fucked-up moments in my life. I'm free now. I feel much better. I rate the success by what I got out of it, no matter if it sells one record or a million, which is a good attitude to have because it didn't sell so many copies, did it, Vanilla? (laughs) It didn't sell so many copies at all. So, you know, again, what we've got here is Vanilla Ice going, oh, this is my tortured album. And I've got the man who made Jonathan Davis cry recording it. And at the time, that was starting to get a bit boring, I think. Certainly in 2021, I'm like, oh, it was every shit. Every fucking interview. Every fucking interview. And the thing is, is the results of what those bands were talking about, sometimes it was amazing. But it really did get boring reading about it over and over and over again. Ugh, yeah. Dull as dishwater. Yeah. Not cool. Anyway, the album did come out, in America at least, and uh, the reviews were sort of weird, I think. Rolling Stone gave the album two out of five and said, forget the truth, it's the music industry that's strange than fiction. Example, how about a new vanillaized record produced by Ross Robinson? That's right, the pale-skinned rapper who brought us Ice Ice Baby and the show-stopping ninja rap from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to The Secret of the Ooze, backed by the studio overseer of Corn and Limp Biscuit. It could be the unholiest alliance since Pat Boone started covering Metallica. And here's the freakiest thing, it isn't half bad. The New York Times said, if history is any guide, Vanilla Ice's adoption of rap metal means that hard rock is about to move on. I fucking wish it was. (laughs) Um, 
New Times called it stupid, exploitative, derivative rap metal by the man who once nearly did imp- irreparable damage to hip-hop. Uh, all Music has given the album two out of five as well and said the fact that the producer of Hard to Swallow has spent time with the likes of Limp Biscuit and Corn is not surprising in the least because Vanilla Ice attempts to make the transition to that style with this incredibly poor album. You have to wonder how much more of a joke and footnote in American history Vanilla Ice can make himself. The answer is reserve judgment until the next embarrassing album hits stores. Who knows? Maybe he'll start his own swing band. It was listed at number 26 on Q's list of the worst albums of all time. It was on a list of the AV Club's least essential albums of the 90s and it was at number 24 on Maxim's list of the 30 worst albums ever made. But Renfrey, you and I, two committed 90s metal fans with open minds and open hearts who think back to that Halliason, Halli- that, that grand period, I'm not say that, word, <laughs> that great period of the 1990s and all the great metal that it brought us. What do we think of Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice? Um, well, there are some positives. So when Living, the first track on the record came in, I think the first thing I thought and the first thing I was, well, I don't know about impressed by because it's the same producer and I imagine he would have done a lot of that work, but I was impressed that it sounded quite authentic in its... um ripping off of that genre and subgenre which i suppose mm-hmm. shouldn't be surprising considering ross robinson was involved but it did sound like b-side corn which is more than i expected i'll say that much we talk about the distinction between bad records and broken records and um that distinction being that you know i don't know we had super collider last week and Tom, our guest Tom Dare, pointed out the fact that some of the vocals weren't in time and stuff like that. The true symphonic orchestra, some of the recordings, some of the bits on that are just broken and just needed more work and more time and more dedication and more patience. And I don't think you can really say that of this album. I don't think anything about it sounds badly produced or anything like that. So that's one sort of tick that I'll give it. Another thing I'll say is uh, Mr. Ice. I mean, I don't think he's a brilliant rapper by any stretch of the imagination. But I'd say he's easily as good, if not better, than a lot of the other vocalists who were trying to rap in new metal at this time. Now, that's not a massive... um, (laughs) It's not the biggest compliment in the world because there were very, very, very few in this subgenre who could really like do it. saying you're the least smelly, diarrhoea-filled nappy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. I, I, I was... I thought one of the reasons why it might be in here is because Vanilla Ice simply couldn't rap at all. And I don't believe that to be the case. I think he can rap. I don't think he's an amazing rapper, but I think that he can rap. Uh, it's everything else that he can't do which is the problem yes I think. yes i think i would agree with that um i'm trying to think is that all the positives that's more or less all the general positives <laughs> <laughs> yeah now i i i've had a quite a kind of ride with this now i've just tweeted this morning actually that i've listened i've listened to four fucking vanilla ice albums in the last week yeah i four i take this fucking seriously by the way, guys, 
by the way, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. Give me some money because I've listened to four Vanilla Ice albums. Yeah, we'll make sure it just goes to Steve and not to me. <laughs> yeah, to, to help pay for the therapy that I'm going to need <laughs> to help me move on from this. Here's the thing, right? I will get to the main positive when we kind of place it at the end because I think there is a main positive. Everything about this record, yes, you know, it's a new metal record, right? I think at first I concentrated very, very hard on Vanilla Ice. And I'm like you. like Vanilla Ice is no worse a rapper than the bloke from Clawfinger. He's probably not much better. They're probably exactly the same as each other. But Vanilla Ice makes some really stupid, ridiculous and embarrassing decisions on this record. Yes. To the point where you're like, you have destroyed any goodwill that I might possibly have had towards this being okay. You have like, it's like building a house of cards and then get to the top and then you just fucking smacking it and it all crumbling back down. Yeah. The, the first track, Living, I was like, oh, bog standard new metal. It's not good. Oh. All the scratches and the riffs and rhymes are kind of lumping as fuck. But bog standard is absolutely the bullseye. bog standard. Yeah. But it reaches this jaw-dropping nadir on the first track when Vanilla starts to do some weird Jamaican patois in the middle of the song. I mean, mate, what the actual fuck are you doing? It's not bad enough that you've been bat- you've been battered for ruining hip hop. You're going to try and ruin metal now. <laughs> And while you're there, you're going to try and ruin reggae as well with your fucking cool runnings impression. Like, no, 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 no. You can't. He's doing it's like he's doing a bad impression of pork pie from Desmond's. <laughs> like, it, 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 it is like at first because I, I was like, oh dearie me, and then that just made me go, oh. And I'm pretty sure Remfrey. I'm pretty sure he drops a couple of n bombs. Yeah. In, in 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 there, and you think vanilla mate. Like, you've been dangled out of a hotel window by Suge Knight. You know not to say that. I'm like a witch on a broomstick. It's not threatening, mate. No, that's one of the lyrics. I'm like a witch. I'm like a witch. Grab my broomstick or something, he says. And it's like, that's not threatening at all. What are you talking about? And it is like, okay, this is just crap. Oh, fuck. No, it's more than crap. Mm. It is horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. What on earth were you thinking? Yeah, it was a little bit, it was a little bit, so I'm going to confess here, we had a little chat about it yesterday, and I, I did not notice the N-bombs at all on my first listen, um, and you said that I should go back to it, and then, and pointed out the bit that you were talking about, I was like, oh yeah, um, and it's kind of, I mean, I'm sure people can imagine w- what I'm saying here, but it's kind of hidden in the rhythm of it, in the rhythm of the the way that it's said it also says indecipherable on the lyric sheet that yes. we've got for it as well so mm, it's fairly decipherable actually yes but yeah, i know yeah. why you're trying to hide it yes yeah 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 um and it sort of smacks of kind of being a dumb thing that can be seen as taboo or controversial to um elevate him to a status in some people's minds of him pushing boundaries and things like that but actually really when you get down to it it's just a horrifically racist and stupid thing to do i i i i mean 
there was there was talk earlier in the week where I was like, I think we've got a contender for number one here, mm. and it was a lot to do with how bad that opening song was, and not just how bad that opening song was because you know the start's bad, but the second half of the song, I was like, I'm not sure anyone has dropped from from quite bad to fuck me, oh my god, what on earth are you doing? Mm. Quite as hard as Vanilla Ice does on that opening song, mm. it is stunning to behold someone going from just like, hey mate, you're probably like. You know, this is a bad new metal record. You're probably looking at being around the kind of mid twenties with this rubbish record to like, holy shit, holy shit. He's going David Brent, biddly 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 bong, biddly 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 dong, mm. and then dropping some seriously offensive like terminology in the middle of it. And then the next song, Scars, does it again, super lumpen, barely listenable, but just kind of boring. And then at the end, he does this devil voice thing which is just horrible to listen yeah. to and not in, in, not in a cool extreme metal way just in a like what are you doing you yeah. fucking plum yeah. sort of way yeah. like what you've like, any minuscule amount of enjoyment I could have got out of this song you have just pulled your pants down and pooped all over it it is fucking stupid and I get it Ross Robinson was like oh yeah we can make you sound like a really evil person but Vanilla Ice can't sound evil he doesn't sound evil enough no not in the slightest he just sounds stupid he sounds fucking stupid and then we get the aptly named fuck me with like (laughs) loads of U's and Kane which features Casey Chaos and this like Amen's debut album came out in 1999 this album came out in 1998 so this would have been most people's well a lot of a people, lot of people's. most people yeah. most most people never listened to this record but a lot of people's introduction to Casey Chaos I don't want to hear Casey Chaos rapping no no I don't want to hear Casey like you know at the time you would have just gone oh this is shit yeah. who's this guy yeah. well his out his, his band's album's out next year well I'm not fucking buying that yeah because I don't want another crap rapper. Why is Casey Chaos rapping? And the song is so boring. And when you get the kind of phone call crackly bit where he's going, like they're trying to, it basically, it's him sort of being like, oh, this is what people say about me, but I am i don't care. I'll say it myself. Mm. And it's like, oh, fuck Vanilla Ice. Fuck um, Vanilla Ice is a poo, poo-poo head. He's a silly <laughs> git. He's a, he's a bum hole. He's got a willy face. He's got a, a, a cock neck <laughs> it's shit it's shit and it's desperate and it is not a way to show the haters that you don't care no definitely it's not path- it's fucking pathetic it is fucking pathetic there was one thing that I thought fuck me was worthy of note on um, bear in mind when I say worthy of note that's not strictly a positive just something that I thought oh that's interesting just the fact that there's a guitar solo of sorts on it and I just found that interesting because Ross Robinson if you recall at the time was very anti-guitar solo and I was like oh that's interesting Um, it's not any good and it doesn't make the song any better and maybe this was more ammunition for why he didn't like them (laughs) because it's a total waste (laughs) of time but i was just it's really unusual to hear a guitar solo on a ross robinson produced record from this time so i was just like yeah but yeah no yeah it's rubbish it's shit and it's like a load of lump and shitty new metal that then they he always seems to do is go like this isn't bad enough this song this is just like quite crap new metal oh we have to do something to turn it make it much worse and in every song so far they found a way to go from <laughs> totally unremarkable rubbish new metal to something much worse mm-hmm. and then 
zigzag stories comes in. He took a fat hit of the blunt, didn't he, Renfrey? <laughs> this is sort of like Incubus meets Spineshank <laughs> about smoking weed. Light another joint, zigzag stories. Now, I don't know about you, I've never heard anyone refer to cannabis as zigzag. Maybe that's an American thing, in America they do. Uh, it might be referring to, I mean, this is a bit of a jump. But there is a brand of Rizzler called Zigzag, so it might be referring to that. Okay, well, I mean, at least th- at least fine. at least it makes sense if that's what it is. It's like okay, I understand at least what you're talking about. So, well, the thing is, is that maybe true in America, but in England over here, especially in the '90s, Zig and Zag are puppets from the Big Breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's all they are, and that's all they ever will be. Yeah, yeah. Alien puppets. Who ironically, who ironically released a far better single uh, in <laughs> Them Girls, Them Girls than anything on this fucking album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's fucking rubbish. I was like, oh, zig and zag. Oh, what have they got to do with smoking cannabis? Nothing. I like it when it tries to be Soulfly on that song. It can't. And the girl he hooks up with in, in it is called Mary Jane. I see what you've oh, done there. Nice. I get it. Works on multiple levels. That's not been done ever 50,000 <laughs> yeah. times before. By the year 1974, people hadn't gone, cool, that's a bit of a hack thing to do, mm. isn't it? When talking about cannabis in a song. Mm. But, you know, do it anyway, probably. Well done. Well, um, we'll have a lot of listeners who'll be very disappointed if I don't quote from the lyrics. So if you'll just allow yes. me, Steve. Uh, this is a zigzag story that I had last night, a six pack, a joint, and I was feeling all right. Let up the chronic. <laughs> and what did I see? This badass bitch creeping up on me. She had the look that could get the ice cooked up in a second. I pictured her undressing and getting buck naked. That doesn't rhyme a second. She walked up to me and said her name was Mary Jane. Ain't no shame in my game. Down to do anything. Took me by the hand. Asked me if I'd like to fly. You know I like to fly. (laughs) (laughs) Rubbish. (laughs) Fucking rubbish. And yet, and yet, I've got a quote later on in the album, which makes that sound like something that... that Fucking Rizzo would come up with. It's absolutely shit. That that is is timid compared to what happens later on in this record. Yeah, yeah. And then we get a song called Too Cold, which is a cover. Well, can you cover yourself? Anyway, a new version of Ice Ice Baby. Now, I didn't realise this when it started. So there's a point where this starts where I was actually like, oh my God, this is actually a pretty good riff. Yeah. And it might be about to do something good. Yeah, I, I, I had and, exactly the same experience with this song. Yeah, And then this tepid, ridiculous version of Ice Ice Baby comes in. And it is loads worse than the original. So much worse than the original. Which, you know, as we've already discussed, it's not a great song by any stretch of the imagination. This version is really bad. I mean, without John Deacon saving it from total irrelevance it is rubbish and the thing i couldn't believe about it is he doesn't appear to know the words to his own song this isn't like some fucking obscure b-side this is your best song it's the only song you're known for and he's like all right stop and and listen and they're back with a with attention you don't even know the words to your own song the only thing you're famous for are you deliberately like what Renfrey, this is not my imagination. This is 
comfortably, comfortably far worse than the original Ice Ice Baby. So much worse. It's kind of made worse by the fact that, as you said, and I'm so glad you said this because I was a little bit worried that I was going to come in. Like, I first started writing that in relative terms, I compared to the rest of the album, this song isn't too bad, is it? And then as I was writing that sentence, I heard the Ice Ice Baby refrain come in and I went, oh, this is the Ice Ice Baby. And that disappointed me so much because I actually thought up to that point, we were talking about the best song on the record. Not that it was amazing, but I did feel like it was a song that if you went to a new metal night, they exist and people go to them and um and it came on it wouldn't be like you know compared to a lot of the up alongside a lot of the b list new metal that'd be playing at those nights it wouldn't have stood out like a sore thumb i don't think um in terms of bad quality but yeah it's a real shame vanilla ice himself said of the song i wanted to let people know that i'm not running from anything this is me this is what i'm about i think the music speaks for itself (laughs) if the music was whack nobody'd even care to hear anything about no vanilla ice i just think the music is so strong people are kind of coming out of the closet it's like it's an unfortunate phrase it's like you know hey i brought it back in the day and the new stuff is slamming I think there's some hip-hop influence, stage-diving, body-pierced, tattoo white boys out there who are embracing this new sound. Well, that didn't happen, did it? <laughs> well, it did. It just didn't, it just didn't happen to, to you. To him, for the, yeah. Like, lots yeah. of... Yeah, I mean... Oh. Oh. But, but the other interesting thing we should say about the track is it was originally intended to be released as a hidden track or a B-side. Now, he seems to have a bit of a... Um, reputation for trying to initially hide away his quote-unquote best songs <laughs> and then realizing oh no this is the stuff that people like um yeah um I-, I don't think i hate it quite as much as you do but i certainly don't like it and i'm certainly disappointed where does it sit in the pantheon of new metal cover versions of previous hits because i think you've got some that are good you know what i listened to yesterday and i was like oh god 80s covers in the new metal era was such a big thing and i listened to um paradise lost cover of small town boy boy by bronsky b and i was like well that's how you do it like that is actually a great cover because paradise lost understand that song they understand where that comes from they understand what it means they're able to give it a kind of a bit of a different twist from their kind of where they're coming from from where the original was from but they they, they kind of capture that sadness and darkness about it and they don't you know they don't sort of just morph it into a big lump and stupid fucking mess i think you got something like cars by fear factory which is just a sort of slightly updated version of that song we're not really doing much about it and then you got shit like new order blue monday by orgy which is missing the mark quite considerably i would say uh where would you say that this sits in amongst that pantheon of that grand tradition of of new metal metal cover versions is it is it uh is it faith by limp biscuit or is it shock the monkey by uh Cold cold chamber I think truthfully it's in between the two. Um, if you want me to go closer with one than the other, I'd say it's closer to Shock the Monkey. Um, maybe like it's a third of the way up the scale um, from Shock the Monkey. And then you've got two thirds. You know, like I, I don't think like taking some big hitters, I 
I prefer it to Behind Blue Eyes. Yeah, I prefer it. Yeah, uh, that is one I hadn't thought of that one, but that is an abysmal cover. Yeah. Truly a bit. I prefer Shock the Monkey to this to Ice Ice Baby. I prefer Cold Chamber and Ozzy doing Shock the Monkey really? to Ice Ice ba- to this Ice Ice Baby. I think this is fucking. I mean, again, like the music isn't that bad, but what goes over top of it? Again, it's Vanilla Ice is destroyed has destroyed it. I think it's all just going Ice Ice Baby over the top of it. Yeah. Don't ninja, don't ninja, go. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't fucking work. I, I, I think it's crap. I don't think it's shock the monkey crap. Um, but it's crap. Mm. I think it's fucking really crap. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, SNAFU, Situation Normal All Fucked Up, has got loads of new... Me- I mean, so much scratching. So much scratching. My This God. is like... You had to have... Did, did the, like, the fucking... The council come around and go, you're making a new metal album, you have to have this much scratching. <laughs> You've not used enough scratching, so you have to use up all your scratching. Because that song is just like... <laughs> all the way through it. It's like... That's exactly right. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Over the entire thing. All the scratching. Sounds like it could be from a head PE album. Big riff. I think it's probably musically, again, one of the better things on the record, even though it's like... <laughs> but Vanilla Ice is having... Let's not be too... Let's not let's not sugarcoat it. Vanilla Ice is having a big old cry about it, stuff on this mm-hmm. on this song, isn't he? About yeah. having a cry over the fact that they made him... Oh, they made him make pop songs. Oh, I had to go platinum because they made me make pop... <laughs> I didn't want to. I wanted to be a credible rapper, but they made me make pop songs. <laughs> Yes, uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, it's very difficult to be all that empathetic with him, really, isn't it? Situation normal, really? all fucked up, fucking hell. I, I, he was actually, that CNN interview, uh, he said this. When he was interviewed about this album, he said, I played a puppet role and was persuaded by money to make decisions I wouldn't have made otherwise. I started out with hip-hop, opened for Ice-T, played for all black crowds, and never saw a white kid in the entire audience. Then my label crossed my record over to the pop. I didn't want to do it, but they gave me a check, and I was like, yes. So he sort of admits that he sold out. And it's like, well, mate, you know, you sold out. And so that's why people think you're a sellout. You just admitted it yourself. Yeah. Don't cry about it like yeah. eight years later. Oh, well, they made me. No, you decided to do it. Yeah. You, you wanted to do it. You were happy to do it. You can't now go, why did they make me do that? Oh. Yeah. Pathetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grow up. And the, you did it. Own it. And, you know, there are plenty of people who have been in, in his position and, um, you know, have taken the money and run and... To be honest, I think that's kind of okay, but then don't moan about it later on, you know, and, and don't try and present yourself as a credible artist when you're admitting to doing that. This is a song going, I'm a sellout, but I didn't really want to be, but I did anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. For all intents and purposes, yes, that's exactly what it is. And you're crying about it. You're yeah. crying about it. Yeah, yeah. He's literally like, Ooh. <laughs> like, this is this album's equivalent of daddy's trying to be daddy, isn't it? <laughs> 
I mean, it is trying to be daddy, but it's like, oh, they gave me loads of money. Oh, I didn't say no. <laughs> now no one likes me. Yeah, it's fucking... Suge Knight pushed me around. Jim Carrey told me that I was rubbish. Oh, God. No one bought my second album. They don't know it's in Popeye's Weasels about me. Pathetic. Yeah, this is fucking miles away from daddy. Jesus Christ. I mean, they're bloody spine shank songs. When they go into like, oh, I've had to clean my bedroom. <laughs> make it sound like, sound like fucking Do You Doubt Me Traitor by Lingering Nota compared to this. <laughs> like, no one cares, mate. No one cares that you were like, <laughs> you made a pop song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's one of the stupidest, most unrelatable things I think I've ever heard in my life. What are you thinking? But this is what happens when, you know, you try to sell an emotion in music. Like there's a couple of records that come out that have had this big impact you know i'm talking corn's debut album basically and suddenly um <sighs> teenage angst is is big business you know um mm-hmm. and then it becomes about you know I, I i think ross robinson was a fantastic producer and he did some fantastic work but i think at his worst he was also like well this is the formula that i have and you mm. need to quite emotionally manipulative as well, isn't it? Yeah, you need to find some pain in your life, and whatever it is, however awful it is, or however not awful it is, or whatever, we will make it sound like this, like it's the absolute most agonising, worst breakdown in the world, and that's going to work if it is something that is genuinely awful. But if it's something like that, then you're just going to go, "What the fuck are you talking about, you moron?" And that's 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 what happens here. Yeah, I didn't want to be a millionaire. <laughs> they made me. They made me hang out with the turtles. <laughs> yeah, quite. Just grizzling. He's grizzling, isn't he? Like, that's why my like, one of my primary school teachers. If anyone used to kind of go, stop grizzling, stop grizzling, like just because a kid was crying, and that's what Vinny Rice is doing. And it's like he's grizzling like a spoiled little brat. It's pathetic. I hated that. I was like, again, musically, I wasn't like, this isn't the worst song ever. It's too much scratching on it. But just hearing Vinny Rice try and like <laughs> excrete this tragedy yeah. from being like a pop star yeah yeah even fucking cory cory um uh, angelic cory feldman didn't do that no I mean, even in his even in, like you badly made and you'd be like oh god it's pretty bad when oh we got kind of chewed up and spat out by the industry but it wasn't him like going like oh, i was in lost boys i didn't want to i just wanted to go and hang out with my friends <laughs> now i'm a millionaire pathetic little defense for vanilla ice there though if that Corey Feldman album had come out in 1998, he may well have tried to do that. He may well have done, but yeah, but it didn't. No. So end off. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't mind ADD, but it's got Casey Chaos rapping on it again. Yeah. It's like, mate, stop, stop rapping. I'm not buying that. It makes me want to get rid of my Amen album. To go like, well, if I'd have heard this, I wouldn't have listened to Amen. Mm. And now, so why were you doing that? Mm. Uh, Stomping through the bio is not very good either. Then we get some good riffs on... The horny song. You heard me, right? The horny song. A song called... Only two songs ago, he was telling us about how terrible it was (laughs) to be 
eight-time platinum pop star vanilla ice and how it's the worst thing you could be but he's sort of fine now isn't he because he's got all horny he says he's going to pull you pull you over and handcuff you before he starts making what can only be described as sex noises nah you've ruined it mate the music on this one actually was all right actually pretty fucking all right i thought the music was all right but i do not want to hear vanilla ice saying he's coming on me and then going here i come go- here i come girl i don't you don't want to hear me doing that like so can you imagine actually hearing you don't want to hear me doing an impression of that picture you and me on the beach you be climbing up that tall coconut tree yeah <laughs> speaking, I'm gonna be sick. speaking of things you don't want to hear um, I'm going to quote the entire second verse from this song <laughs> and the chorus so uh, strap in uh, or strap on maybe. Oh. Uh, oh god I feel sick <laughs> see the sweat that you're letting off now keep it coming girl you know I love it when you take it off you got me sitting in the hot seat dripping from the body heat from my head to my feet we can do it by candlelight all night keep it going till the sunlight that's right what you're trying to do make the ice melt don't you know my cream is good for your health Oh, you know you want to shake what your mama gave you mm, you're getting real hot now I'm going to spray you oh rub it in like lotion juices flowing everywhere like water in the ocean you got got that hourglass figure uh all the right moves and you know i want to dig you got 31 flavors know what i mean no i don't and i (laughs) want and i want to take a dip in your ice cream and then mm-hmm. the chorus is simply here I come, 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 here I come. It's a bit of a mic drop in Nick Cave's direction, isn't it? It's made me feel very... I kind of wish I'd never been born. It's fucking awful, man. So that I didn't... There's also a bit where he starts talking about how where's the bit where he's saying that all you've got enough for all of my all of my friends as well oh, <laughs> like, what's the bit where he there is a bit where he's like you've got enough for me and all of my my mates i can't remember what, what he actually says but i was like what you gonna yeah what yeah it's just that he should have called it the 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 degrading song rather than the horny song. I mean, look, there was a lot of this going on at the time. We've there obviously was, spoken yeah, about yeah. about Methods of Mayhem mm. is quite high in the list. Mm. And the one thing I was thinking at this point, I was like, well, they've not. he's not reduced himself to Methods of Mayhem level of, like, icky grottiness. But then, no, 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 mm. he, has to, he has to do it. Yeah, um, freestyle does. ends the album, and, and you've unfortunately guessed it, it is a lax whatever happens happens freestyle rap. Psycho from Insane Poetry comes in and is actually kind of okay to start off. In fact, this is basically one of the album's sort of saving graces for me because it's just sort of like quite boring rapping and no nothing really kind of genuinely terrible on this. I think the fact that freestyle a freestyle rap that was we presume improvised is such a blessed relief coming after the horny song i think says it all i think i don't think freestyle's any good but i think when played immediately after the horny song you're like oh thank 
fuck he's not talking about his coconut tree anymore you know so it's just like well this will do yeah yeah Mm. just do this and then it'll end and then i can get on with the rest of my life um (laughs) yeah um what a fucking crap 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 record um i I forgot to mention uh when we were talking about too cold i went on youtube to see if um there was uh, a video or anything like that and there is but even more interestingly i thought vanilla ice himself commented on the video just four months ago uh saying fun fact this song was originally going to be a hidden track remember those on hard to swallow um now we've already divulged that fact and we're aware of that but just the fact that vanilla ice continues to um engage with this and this music it's only four months ago you know we're talking about uh march april this year march he's still happy to do that and and whenever vanilla ice 23 years later yeah, yeah whenever vanilla ice comments on something like loads of people will be notified as a result of that and he's got loads of replies and blah 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 so yeah i mean i guess and i am just guessing here that maybe he doesn't see this as the embarrassment that it actually is well, it's the only one of his albums not on Spotify or any streaming well, services. That, yeah, that is true, which does actually... That, now, I don't know why that is. I mean, I think I could kind of guess. But then having said that, I have listened to lots of other Villain of Ice albums mm. over the last week. And um, we'll talk, you know... <clears throat> I'm going to say this, right, when summing up the record. There are and were a lot of really bad new metal bands that I remember from that time. And I have to say... This might be the worst. I mean, I put this next to Lino Limits by Out. Out were actually, I always go to that as like, that was the most ridiculous new metal song. That was the most ridiculous new metal band. French new metal band. You fucking mad. Terrible, right? And I listened to like a sort of French death metal band. Awful. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, I AB'd a lot of like bad new metal bands. Vacant Stare, Phony, uh, oh, Edema. Oh, God. Um, Psychor, Clawfinger, I AB'd them with stuff of this. And for the most part, most of them actually came out sounding better than the horny song or Zigzag uh, Mm. Nightmares or whatever that fucking song's called. Mm. Stories. (laughs) Zigzag Stories, yes, not Nightmares. Not, uh, it's a bit of a nightmare. It is. But for the most part, those songs ended up, I mean, out, like, Lino Limits by out sounds kind of original and unique in comparison to what Vanilla Ice is doing, which I never thought I'd say in a million years. And I have to say, I really fucking hated this album. And I was ready. I have, I was as ready late as last night to come in and say that this is the worst new metal album ever. And there are other ones in the hat. Trust me. There are other ones that we are going to be talking about, but I listened to it again last night and something has saved it from where I was originally going to suggest it going. And that is this. It is solely the production style of Ross Robinson, who without him, this album, I think, and I've got sort of facts to back this up, would have been a super polished and lovely sounding record, of which I have no doubt. It would have been modern, shiny, bouncy, new metal with vanilla ice all prettied up. But Ross has dirtied it up enough to make it almost, not really, but almost turn this into something with a tiny degree of competence surrounding it. Vanilla Ice himself, 
is a total fucking douchebag and he's useless. He sounds like a cunt with no personality who loves the sound of his own voice, is totally unaware that his how lucky he is to have had a hit and he doesn't even seem to be happy with the idea of that he speaks in jamaican patois he can't sing he's a comp he's at best a kind of passable rapper but he's an incredibly dislikable personality all the way throughout this record but ross robinson and the professional musicians that ross robinson has surrounded himself with keeps this record out of the top five for me just I think that's. A, I'm. I'm just staring at the um, the the sort of the the top ten, and um, yeah, I th- I think that the fact is is like I said right at the beginning of when we were talking about what we thought of it. One of my positive points was it does sound authentic, and that is almost certainly one hundred percent down to Ross Robinson. Um, but I think. Like I said earlier, I think if you went to a new metal night and one of these songs, like not the horny song or that fucking zigzag story song, but if 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 you took the singles from this record, um, and put them on in between, I don't know, spine shank and cold or something like that, I don't think it would be a massive. I don't think many people would notice. Truthfully, I think basically, I think he gets away with it weirdly. Um, but I think the bar is the bar is low. It's bar's really twenty twenty one. The bar's fucking low. Like I love new metal, and you mentioned Spine Shank, and I was like, well, if New Disease by Spine Shank came on in a in a new metal club, I think people would go fucking mad. Uh, and if they followed it up with something like you know Scars from this album, yeah. you would be like, oh, that's a big old. That is a massive, massive drop off. But weirdly, kind of, <clears throat> you know, new metal like that. <sighs> someone like vanilla ice would probably benefit from sounding a little bit less a little bit more polished weirdly and that probably would have worked for him i actually now in reflection i'm like yeah when when new metal got a bit more polished and just tried to have singles and i'm thinking more of the better bands like corn when you get to like untouchables by corn and stuff and you got here to stay they're pretty unrecognizable from something like helmet in the bush from their their debut album yeah like that shit is really unique but you know they a lot of those bands learn how to write or, or started to write good singles. And I think, you know, Vanilla Ice maybe is bitten off a... Well, he, not maybe. He definitely bit off a lot more than he could chew here. And he surrounded himself with people who were... You know, new metal was not the massive commercial juggernaut that it would later on become. And, I mean, just to kind of round stuff up about this before we go where to place it. The album didn't chart. Um, he didn't get dropped by his label, amazingly. But despite this, he decided to go and record music independently anyway and he did a whole load of weird shit with all the usual weird new metal suspects from the time so he did a wrestling match with uh, the insane clown posse on the juggalo championship wrestling promotion of course he did um and then he went on to make another quite metal album in 2001 called bipolar now i listened to that right and i have to say in 2001 the bubble for vanilla ice and really we're, we're getting to the point where the bubble is definitely swelling if not completely burst for new metal at this point right totally oversaturated as a as a, as a market by 2001 yeah, yeah yeah fair enough yeah. totally oversaturated in the market but bipolar is comfortably a better record than hard to swallow yeah. definitely definitely it is what makes it i mean better? i think it actually like the muddiness like although i've just bigged up ross robinson's production 
Vanilla Ice has nothing really to say. Vanilla Ice gets a bit better at doing the rap metal thing. Like the shouting, he goes for hooks. Again, this, this record's got no hooks on it, really. Even a nice ice baby destroys the hooks. Like I, vocally, I it is a rapper. There, there's, no, there's nothing memorable about any of these songs. Mm. He at least goes, okay, well, he kind of, bipolar is a, is a prettier version of Hard to Swallow. And you might go like, oh, well, that's not very good and blah, blah, blah. But at least it, like, it feels like a kind of fun new metal album. And Vanilla Ice doing a fun new metal album, I think if it, that had come out in 1998, maybe people would have been like, oh, it's you know too commercial or whatever. But this is just a mess and it doesn't work whatsoever. By 2001, there's no way that it was going to work for him. But if he'd have pitched, if he'd have kind of maybe released Bipolar in 1999, early 2000 yeah i think he would have had a better shot it yes. really because there's actually hooks on bipolar it sounds cleaner you know it sounds big it sounds clean it sounds like what you would expect vanilla ice doing rap metal to sound like okay and that might be rubbish and it's not a great record like trust me you don't need to go and listen to bipolar you really really don't but the songs are catchier they sound cleaner they sound bigger don't have as much of that kind of ross robinson personality all over it but then this album is all the kind of personality that ross robinson puts over this album is stamped on and trampled to death by vanilla ice just being fucking useless on it absolutely fucking useless mm. and it feels like he kind of chilled out a bit on bipolar as well and, and you know he's not as desperate to be like oh god but you know that shit was never going to fly just before like my chemical romance were about the lost profits were just about to come along so there's no way a vanilla ice new metal album in 2001 was going to fly um but i do think it's better i do genuinely think it is a better record than it i mean it's on spotify as well no one ever talks about it because why would they i guess it's his kind of second go at doing it and often when you do it for the second time you get a little bit better at it, right? Yeah, you'd like to think so. I'm just on the Wikipedia entry for it, and I see that it's 72 minutes and 12 seconds. Uh, it's quite long. Or... Yeah, it's quite long. So it's a sort of double album with one side being... Well, yeah, it was actually composed as... A, it was going to be two albums, and they released it as one album. And, you know, it's really fucking long. And, you know, it's it's got a lot i mean i would say this sort of the new metally parts on it uh, uh are much better um but it's got like billy milano who's in sod on it it's got roy mayorga who's obviously in stone sour well, now like it's got I'm looking at have you seen one of the producers one of the producers is steve evitz who did all the yeah. danger stuff you know so like yeah i mean this would have been Oh no! Well, he would have done a little Dillinger stuff, I guess. At this point, yeah, he would have done. Uh, he would have done Calculate Infinity. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's like very impressive, like in terms of the people mm. involved, and yeah, and it, it's got like insane clown pot, and I mean, Chuck D's on it as well. Oh, <laughs> like, fuck. it's quite weird. It's it's quite weird, but it's. I mean, it's not. Look, it ain't good, and you don't need to go and listen to yeah. it. But it's certainly better than Hard to Swallow, is what I would say. Um, just to kind of follow, follow up on, and finish up on, on what he's been doing since. In 2003, he contributed vocals to a Nico McBrain side project. Hmm. Did he? Which I'm, yeah, he did. Wow. Didn't know yeah. that. No. I mean, that doesn't sound like it could be good at all. Your common or garden Iron Maiden fan, the ones that you talk about all the time whenever Iron Maiden all come out. Yeah. Every single one of them, yeah. <laughs> aren't gonna like that are they not and not no. not that that's not a reason to do it but um 
Yeah, weird. Hmm. So, and then off he goes, Vanilla Ice, on the incredibly lucrative reality TV circuit, uh, in between doing a bunch of shite for like the Gavin and the Juggalos and stuff. He did the surreal life. The surreal life. He did a real estate reality TV show called The Vanilla Ice Project, where he does up houses. Do you what? know about this? No. <laughs> There's a little clip of it on YouTube. Why? Why Vanilla Ice? Why is Vanilla Ice redecorating your house? The... Like you want someone like Timmy Mallet or something like that doing that, yeah. not Vanilla Ice. No, no, no. He performed, uh, as you've already mentioned, with Jedward on the X Factor doing Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. He did Dancing with the Stars in 2016 in the United States. Uh, in 2019, he performed at Donald Trump's New Year's Eve party. Oh, God. <laughs> and his most recent work appears to be narrating a podcast for the BBC. On the stolen racehorse Shergar. <laughs> really? Nice. Yeah. Nice work if you can get it. <laughs> huh? I mean, I, f- I fully expect him to be named as the new singer for Lotus yeah. within the week. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but that's what Vanilla Ice has been doing. I love it when we get topical. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. Mm. and also so that's what vanilla ice has been doing and also i don't know if you know this room free they're making a biopic uh of his life right now we're making a film of his life are you aware of this room free well uh, only because you told me about it yesterday and then told me not to look up anything about it whatsoever uh so So, yes but no but yeah so do you know who they are getting to play guess who they're getting to play vanilla ice in the biopic of his life so someone you would have heard of it is an actor that you would have heard of i mean i haven't got a clue um oh man (laughs) i'm tempted to say something like ryan gosling or something insane like that (laughs) well (laughs) quite underwhelmingly it's dave franco really couldn't they couldn't even get the right Franco. <laughs> the shitty Franco or the awful Franco, the uglier, crapper, stuttering Franco of the Franco brothers to play Vanilla Ice. Well, he'll probably be better at the role in that case, won't he? I would imagine. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give that a swerve, that film, I think. That sounds probably. What is there to, what is there to say? But I, I suppose, I mean, I suppose they can go into the, you know, they can go into. Oh, I took drugs. Yeah, drugs. Yeah. They made me do it, and they'll Ooh. they'll probably do. They'll probably actually make those scenes, you know, a reality where all those probably made up stories will will be presented as truth. In of course all they that will. shit, yeah, yeah. Of course they will. So anyway, there you go, Vanilla Ice. That's what he's been doing. Um, but is, where are we is gonna wha- he hard to swallow? That's the question. Oh, I don't want to answer. <laughs> Where are we going to all rank it on our league table? That's what you're about to say, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've put some thought into this, Steve. You'll be happy to know. Oh. Um. At last. Now, <laughs> now, I think because you sort of said to me that you thought this was a contender for the number one, it sounds like you backed away on that position a little bit. And I think I have a bit. I yeah. think that is correct. I don't think this is a number one, to be honest with you. So I, but I kind of started from like five down, and I don't think this is as horribly awful to listen to as Blood on the Dance Floor. 
same re Lil Zam, just the involvement of Ross Robinson, I think, makes this better than that. The Shags is just a tragic story and and also totally unlistenable. Corey Feldman, Angelic to the Core. Um Arguably more broken than this record, I would say. Um, I almost feel a little sorry for Mr. Feldman because the ambition of that record is fucking startling. But then at the same time, he can't actually pull off any of it. (laughs) So, you know, but I think, you know, I think just because this record sounds better, I think I'd give it a pass over Feldman. Towers of London. I mean, they're fucking shit. But I, I don't, th- I don't, I think I prefer this to Towers of London. Do you really? I was about to say, there's no way on earth this is better than Towers of London. And I can't believe I would say that out loud. But I honestly, when I think of like, I'm a rat, I'm a, like, that's a badly made thing. And Towers of London is deeply stupid. It is. But I mean, I'm, I'm looking quite a bit higher than that, actually. I personally, like for me, yeah, Broken Side, I think it's better than Broken Side. I listened to a double wide by Uncle Cracker because I was like, I think this is worse at doing the thing that it does than than even Uncle Cracker. Going back to Uncle Cracker, fuck me, that is dreadful. I think we've been pretty harsh, Uncle Cracker, to let that be <laughs> below the true symphonic orchestra, which is right. just unbearable. Methods of Mayhem is the one that where I kind of stick a bit because I think. There's nothing on this that I would ever, ever, ever choose to listen to in any way whatsoever. Yes, Ross Robinson's production is better, but arguably for what Methods of Mayhem are doing, and there's some grotty, horrible shit on Methods of Mayhem as well, but there's a couple of memorable bits. Like there's a, there's a couple of memorable bits in Methods of Mayhem that you kind of go like, oh, this is clunky, dumb, useless shit. But I actually think in terms of new metal, you know, you, in, in both cases, you've got a band who are fronted by quite a, a pretty dislikable celebrity dickhead. You've got a surrounding cast of competent musicians who really should know better. Hmm. And what it comes down to is which one of these two things would I rather listen to? If you said I'm going to put one of these two albums on right now, which one would you rather listen to? I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather listen to Methods of Mayhem than listen to Vanilla Ice. Mm, okay, I don't feel like that. I'd rather listen to Vanilla Ice. If I have to be honest. Um, well, let me make my argument for where I was going to place it. I don't think it's going to get here Go now. After you said that, I was originally going to suggest that we place it at number thirteen, and which is which is uh, below Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band ost and just above richard ashcroft united nations of sound now my reasoning for that was just generally going to be because six feet under that's a broken album broken record uh eoggin broken record st st pepper's is so laced with cocaine and such just a terrible idea and actually there's a lot of stuff on that which feels really really broken as well but then you get to Richard Ashcroft, United Nations of Sound, and you could argue that bits of that are broken, but most of it is actually just that's a really bad idea and really repetitive. So that's the point where I'm kind of like, I, I feel like that's a good placing for it at number 13. It doesn't feel like you're going to go along with that because that's quite a bit further away from where you were suggesting. Well, 
I, I think, the, yeah, I mean, there might be some sort of compromise to be made around there, but I do personally think that this is, you know, this is a Vanilla Ice album. And Vanilla Ice's contribution to this album is uniformly dire. Like, it can be eye-rolling, it can be boring, it can be incomprehensible, it can be bewildering, and it can also be fucking offensive. Mm. Jamaican patois, mm. N-words, disgusting talk about how you're going to treat women, mm. um, whinging and crying because you're made to be a pop star. I just think this is, like... like he, he's a gross bastard. He's 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 a grotty, gross bastard. And I think like, yeah. I mean, I just think much like Methods of Mayhem, <laughs> Methods of Mayhem, it, it, you know, is fronted by someone you're like, fuck me, you should know better. All the people surrounding this should know better. Ross Robinson should know better. But I, I suppose if I'm being completely kind of, if I'm taking my own personal feelings away from it a little bit, you couldn't go. You could go. Ross Robinson maybe has made more with the very, very little that he's got than the people on Methods of Mayhem made with the very, very little they've got. I think Methods of Mayhem had more to work with than Ross Robinson has to work with with, with Vanilla Ice because I think Vanilla Ice is just... Like, Tommy Lee's a dickhead. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's a dickhead, but he can play drums and yeah. he sort of understands <clears throat> music and he's been around people who can yeah. kind of create more than one song yeah. that has yeah. gone on to kind of do stuff so he kind of knows so you've at least got someone who's aware of a bit more self oh it seems weird calling Tommy Lee self-aware but you know Tommy <laughs> Lee Tommy Lee is at least like kind of I, I, I guess you know in, in the music industry enough to to be able to kind of be malleable enough and you go well you've not done really done anything with that whereas Vanilla Ice I just think what like what are you mate what even are you like uh, you, you come across he comes across so badly on this record and it is a vanilla ice album and bless shannon larkin and sunny mayo and ross robinson and casey chaos and even even jimmy pop from the blood and gang <laughs> bless them for lending their talents to this record and trying to turn you know shit into gold but it's really bad it's really bad and the kind of the the lightning rods conductor in the middle of it is vanilla ice and vanilla ice's horrendous personality and lack of talent and just total incomprehension about how to be relatable or make anything good at all i mean he is a disaster if you took everything else away from this i could i would probably go yeah this is number one because look at the state of that guy if it was based purely on vanilla ice alone He's as stupid a person as we have had any kind of contact with at all. Like an absolutely lord, risible, lord, like <laughs> ludicrous character. A completely lu- as ludicrous as anyone we've spoken about on this this show. He, you know, Corey Feldman seems like fucking Bob Dylan in comparison to, to Vanilla Ice. Do you know? Like he, he's just an absolutely ludicrous character. Um, and I've listened to four of his fucking albums. I'm not even sure that. <laughs> This is the worst one, to be honest. But isn't this an example of a really polished turd? I mean, maybe. I mean, I, I feel bad putting this above, like, like to me, putting this above Corey Feldman and the Shags as well. Even the Shags. I feel really bad putting this above the Shags. 
because the Shags did every like did everything in within their power to do as well as they could. Whereas Vanilla Ice has just wandered in, absolute chancer, surrounded himself with people better than him, and they've just gone. Well, we can't do anything with this. So we can't do literally can't do anything with this. But 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 well, but I think they actually. I think you're right. I imagine what Vanilla Ice brought to the table was probably even less decent than what Tommy Lee brought to the table a year later, two years later. Yeah. Um, But I suppose my... And admiration is far too strong a word for this record, but we'll go with it for the moment. My admiration for this record is how much the talented people around it have managed to polish it up. And, And to the point where... I managed to sit down and listen to this entire album in one sitting, uh, which I couldn't do with any of the top six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, maybe. Yeah, you know. Um, but I listened to it in one sitting and was thoroughly bored by the end. But, you know, I could deal with listening to it in one listening. Um, and there are bits where. Yes, the meat of what is being worked with is not very good, but the dressing's actually all right, if that makes sense. Can I just say, though, I I mean, we also have to take into account, I would have to say, right, um, we are preconditioned to be able to kind of tolerate new metal because we grew up listening to it and we listened to loads of it i'm wondering if you took an an alien being who'd never heard music before and you played them little zan next to this if they would even be able if they would i mean there's part of me that thinks is little i mean is little zan better made than this like with nothing on it like is even little zan i mean but yeah but that is because yeah i mean you might be right actually but that's because we don't listen to that type of thing Mm, in our normal lives so our tolerance for that is a lot lower than it would be like you know i can whack fucking i'll probably stick claw finger on for fun after this <laughs> do you know what i mean it doesn't mean it's good i won't it doesn't mean that it's well made or that it's good or anything but it's just like that that sound to me is so deeply ingrained inside my body that i i can i can tolerate it do you know what i mean it's like it's a good point some people get like a special like my mum used to be able to take hot like she worked in a kitchen and so she could take like a hot uh, tray out of an oven with her bare hands because she'd done it so many times she'd had like her, her the, the the nerves in her fingers were burnt to the point where she'd just go oh that's a bit hot like you take a burning wow. you take a boiling uh, like a, a roasting dish out of the oven that's going to burn your hands right she sounds like but a super woman so, well yeah she's very you know she's well, she works in a kitchen a lot yeah. and you 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 pick up hot plates you know what i mean don't touch a hot plate i can do it but you can't because i'm do you know what i mean and i feel a little I bit that, like that like, yeah yeah, I yeah. Um I feel that we're a bit like that with new metal. Like we've 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 been burnt so many times that just hearing yep. bad bad new metal, we're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a valid and point. I think I do think musically this is probably better, but I mean I I I will I will stretch to sticking it between Little Zan and the Shags. But I can't Ooh. honestly, I can't honestly say that. I mean, if you're talking about putting it above Corey Feldman, I think that feels really, really harsh because the ambition. I don't hate Corey Feldman. I certainly don't hate the Shags. I do hate Towers of London. I do, but you know, I don't actually think they're as bad collectively <laughs> as Vanilla Ice is, which is pretty mental. Well, I was going to suggest because earlier you said, you know, like you can't put this below towers of london and you know you're persuading me a little bit and in the in the you know this is a um dic- 
I was about to say it's a dictatorship. It's the opposite of that. It's a <laughs> which it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was going to suggest um, putting it at number nine between Corey Feldman and Towers of London, but you're still, but you're sort of suggesting that that even that's too harsh eh? on. I I Corey. think that is kind of I, that feels quite. It's the Chags and Corey Feldman. Uh, fuck everyone else on here. Basically, perfect to be perfectly honest. None of the other ones. I feel like I I I, I have that kind of residual bit of respect for the Shags and Corey Feldman because I feel like they're kind of victims in all this. Like, Eogan's a bit of a victim in all this, but not to the extent that Corey Feldman and Shags are. Corey Feldman, obviously, is a lunatic, kind of turned into a lunatic, and he's a kind of some sort of mad scientist. The Shags, like, I don't know, I've still got that kind of thing where I'm like, I look at the Shags out of all of them, and I'm like, ah, oh, like, fucking bless you for being, you're surrounded with such, like, horrible people. Well, you're saying, you know you're I mean? saying you're, you feel sorry for Corey Feldman and the Shags, whereas you don't feel sorry for Vanilla Ice. This is effectively no. what you're saying. I, un- no. I understand that rhetoric. I understand where you're coming from. But like we said very, very clearly when we did the Shags episode, I guess sometimes these placings are very much aimed at this is the artist's fault. But there's a lot of time. I think if we didn't, I think if we ignored all the context that goes on around the album as well, we'd actually have a very, very different list. And I don't think we've done that in the past and i think there is context with this record the context being um some very talented people came in and, and polished a turd um and you know there is there is nothing yes the sound of this record is dated probably a few months after it came out but that there's nothing specifically wrong with the sound of the record you know uh, and and the, the sonics of the record are actually it's, it's hardly ross robinson's best work by a fucking mile to be honest but it's also not bad it's not co- it, you know incompetent that is true in any way shape or form true. okay so what you so so i was going to suggest between place, Corey feldman and towers of london yeah so that would be number nine so it'd still be top 10 yeah okay um all right i'll i'll, I'll concede all right I mean, we've you know that that's actually a pretty fair placing, I think, because I originally came in with thirteen. You were sort of suggesting three or four. I think you were suggesting four, actually, maybe three. Um, yeah. So that's actually a relatively nice compromise, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was initially going to go in and go right. Is it worse than Broken Side? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> but well. it has definitely, definitely improved. Um, just from but that was me again like i just concentrated on vanilla ice and what a bloody poo poo head he was <laughs> yes exactly. as he says himself in the song fuck you or something else like willy watcher <laughs> got a new album ah we might be getting a new guest on oh yeah next week because i've actually had a conversation about this record with somebody and i think they want to talk about it we have got one way ticket to hell and back by the darkness ah okay cool nice Mm. which you know spoiler alert i don't think that's a bad album at all to be perfectly honest i've not heard it in years not heard it since it came out pretty pretty good okay um but you know i mean i've not heard it for a little while but there's some good shit on it anyway thanks very much for listening it's been quite a long one we've done Mm. only two hours on fucking vanilla ice yeah wanker anyway thanks very much for listening guys we're out um ice ice baby or something go ninja go ninja go 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 home see ya